which is a weekly podcast looking into traditional digital economy and attempts to create a fusion between the two. And uh, our aim is to explore e-commerce payments, gig economy, and uh, cryptocurrency and present to our listeners the opportunities and challenges in this new landscape. Welcome to the show, Mr. Stephen Kinodia from Mezzanine, East Africa. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. Uh, briefly tell us about Mezzanine East Africa and some of the digital solutions you offer. Okay. Mondiri, um, again, thank you very much for inviting me to uh, this interview. Um, so just a little bit, a uh, little bit background of um, who Mezzanine is. Mezzanine, we are a, a mobile solutions um, company uh, based out of South Africa. We are owned by Vodacom, um, and what our mandate is, is to drive the digital transformation um, across um, Vodacom uh, footprint in, uh, in Africa. So what I mean by that is uh, we work closely with the likes of Vodacom Tanzania. In, in Tanzania, we work also with Safaricom um, and Ghana and so on, wherever Vodacom is represented. But we've chosen to keep an independent brand uh, for the purpose of um, being able to go to what we call off footprint markets, um, because our platform is telco agnostic. So what I mean by that is that we can go to a place like uh, Uganda, where there isn't necessarily a Vodacom or Vodafone entity, uh, and be able to deliver solutions. So um, that's why we keep the independent brand. Um, our success stories are across agriculture, health, and education, but we've started now veering off to um, other uncharted territories such as FMCG um, and the quasi NGO space and so on. Um, and I'm excited to talk about more on that um, on the podcast. Uh, what, what, uh, what are your experiences dealing with governments from different jurisdictions in East Africa? Um, very good. So that's actually now the mandate that um, I had uh, that I had in uh, East Africa to drive our solutions now again within East Africa, and uh, we've been very successful. Actually, I'm I'm quite uh, proud of the success we've had, primarily in Tanzania and uh, Kenya. Um, in Kenya, we are very proud of uh, our e-voucher system that has been used by uh, the Ministry of Agriculture to disburse. Uh, subsidy to smallholder farmers, um, and uh, the way it works, Wandiri, is it's very uh, is it, it's very simplified for users. But of course, the complexity sits behind. So what we've done is uh, utilize the infrastructure that a sister company Safaricom has, uh, which is on the traditional telco products uh, that is SMS, M-Pesa, uh, data, um, and USSD, uh, to be able to offer a solution that in real time delivers vouchers to uh, pre-vetted farmers um, that they can go to um, uh, an approved agro-dealer or agro-vet to be able to, um, to, to get their, their, the subsidy that they, that they have, um, they qualify for. So coming back to your question, our experience is that we have found that in areas where government is quite determined to, um, to deliver the solution, it will work well. But I must, um, I must admit that um, I must admit that there is also complexity sometimes because working with government, there is a laborious process 
of, um, unfortunately, of procurement, uh, which is understandable because, of course, we have to ensure that we follow uh, the Procurement Act. Um, the challenge has always been, um, obviously, is um, moving from one phase to another. Uh, it takes a bit of time. And what I mean by that is, and give you an example, um, our first phase one project was around 2015. Um, and it was successful and um, everybody was very much psyched up to move on to the next phase, but we have to go through the procurement process. That whole process back and forth took about two years. So of course there is a bit of attrition in terms of lost knowledge, um, movement of staff, uh, changes in technology and so on. Uh, but we did re-kickstart back the, 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 the project back in 2019. And now we're happy to say that we are about to serve, uh, we're serving about half a million farmers um, and across, um, across 12 counties, which very soon will be increased to 25. So in short, the experience, um, it is, I must admit, it's a bit daunting, but um, where there is, where there is uh, buying from the top, um, it, does, it, it does work. Interesting. I, I really like your point about uh, working with the Ministry of Agriculture in Kenya to, to provide subsidies to farmers. In matters agriculture, small-scale farmers make up the majority of Africa's agriculture factor. Kindly take us through Mezzanine's connected farmer solution and the benefit it's bringing to these farmers. So our agriculture journey started about, um, about eight to ten years ago uh, when we were approached by USAID uh, together with a few um, the dairy cooperatives who wanted to simplify the process um, in which um, they go through by engaging farmers. And they said they had two primary, at that time they had two primary issues that they wanted to resolve. Primary issue number one was they wanted farmer loyalty. Um, of course the, and this was primarily initially with the, within the dairy sector, which is marred with lots of uh, middlemen, which is also marred with a lot of, unfortunately also adulteration of, uh, of, of milk. Um, and um, it was just not sustainable for the dairy cooperatives. So they said, how can we leverage on technology, A, uh, to drive efficiency in the process, and more so, in, in, addition to lo uh, in addition to that, build the farmer loyalty. So what we were able to do is, A, offer them what we call a cloud solution, uh, which meant it was very easy for them to, um, to, to, uh, to adopt. Um, and the way it works is that, of course, agriculture works primarily out of the office setting. It's in the field. So they've got what they call milk graders or milk clerks. These are the people who collect the milk from the smallholder farmers, and we were able to give them a nap. And where they said that they had lots of mistrust is because there a lot of the farmers would deliver milk. And if I deliver, let's say, um, 10 kilos of milk, apparently for a lot of people, people don't know milk is actually measured in kilos, not liters. <laughs> um, but so when milk is delivered, let's say I deliver 10 kilos of milk, um, and uh, the person who's weighing the milk says, no, 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 it was actually eight, or I, we both do see it's 10. At the end of the month, when the farmer gets paid, they don't get paid for the full amount. So there was a lot of mistrust, and that's why farmers were actually leaving a lot of these dairy cooperatives. So the first thing we did was to integrate our solution with um, the scales uh, in, using a Bluetooth mechanism. And what this does is simply it captures the weight where the farmer sees what the weight is, and also the milk grader says that, yes, I do acknowledge that you've got in 10 liters or 10 kilos of milk. Now, 
With that, we are able in instantly, or even later in the day, send the farmer what we call an e-receipt, which is in the form of an SMS. So the SMS goes out to the farmer and says, Farmer uh, Liri, today you delivered 10 liters of milk, and this is confirmation. So the following day, when they bring another five liters, we're able also to say, today you brought in five, and this month you brought 15, so that at the end of the month, that accumulation is done. So it sounds very simple, but it was a very powerful, um, I would say uh, game changer in that space. Um, and we started now building on that. So the connected farmer solution over time now, since about around uh, 2010, we have been able to come up with three different variations because agriculture from our perspective has three different variations. So variation number one is what we call the enterprise model where enterprises such as pri uh, private enterprises or I've talked about dairy cooperatives uh, engage with the farmer on a business perspective. And then there is the government setting. An example is like what I talked about earlier about the e-voucher or e-subsidy system. So a setting that talks to the, um, to the, um, to the government uh, in terms of how reporting is done, in terms of how they engage with farmers and so on. Find above that, then we invested our own cash and build what we call a consumer solution. So this is where now, instead of us having a relationship with the government or with the enterprise who engages with the farmer, we are now going straight to the farmer and saying, can we invest in a super platform that brings all ecosystem partners on one platform to be able to engage directly with a smallholder farmer and build value for the smallholder farmer. So our big, huge, audacious goal is where we want to see uh, farmers, A, um, have increased uh, output based on that they can till all the land that they have, because a lot of them are tilling only half. And then B, even if they're tilling, um, half of, uh, even if they're tilling all the land that they have, can they maximize their output? Um, research out there shows that African farmers are earning less than 30% of their potential compared to the Western farmers. So how can we bridge that gap using technology? And then lastly, is that building on economies of scale directly, we can be able to put more money in the pocket for the farmer. So we've got those three variations of the connected farmer solution, uh, which have had tremendous success across our platform. So uh, in Kenya alone, we have over 1.5 million um, across Africa, uh, that number is dwindling over uh, close to 2.5. So we're excited about this. I, I like that you mentioned that the connected farmer is a cloud solution. Uh, what, what role do you see cloud services playing going forward, given the, the rise in uh, remote working? And does Mezzanine look into getting into this sector? Absolutely. Um, so something I, I, I didn't mention in my intro in terms of uh, from a perspective, from a telco perspective, uh, why uh, Vodacom is continuously investing through us and also another other initiative in this is that um, telco service, uh, telco organizations, again, using the Safaricom as an example, have invested heavily on the infrastructure. Um, and the infrastructure has been able to deliver SMS, uh, has been able to deliver data, has been able to lead, deliver voice, has been able to deliver financial services, that's M-Pesa. Um, and then on top of that, of course, there's also cloud services. So what we are saying is, how can we put all these solutions together to be able to deliver value for enterprises? And that's where, again, I've talked about agriculture. We've been able to do this in health. We've been able to do this in education. And we have very good use cases that um, we can talk about later. 
Now, the role that I see as playing more in from a cloud services perspective is A, mobility will be, uh, will be king in the next, in the next quarter. Um, I, I talk a lot about um, my favorite phone. Um, I don't know if you probably know that phone. It's, it's about, uh, I think, about 15, 15 or 18 years old. It's uh, the Nokia 3310. I don't know if you're that old. You have, you have used that phone. <laughs> and we were all excited about using the Nokia 3310 because the Nokia 3310, the battery went for on and on and on and on. Uh, we played games on it and so on. And that's what motivated, what else can we do with this phone apart from just talking with it? So what you will notice, uh, Wendiri, is that we have a shift because of the connection with cloud services, the, uh, the, the phone will become the primary use in terms of how we interact with various services on how we work and so on. If you told somebody about 10 years ago that you can edit a document on your phone and actually send it via email, they would have said, absolutely, that's not, that, 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 that's not possible, the font and so on and so forth. But you and I today know that is reality. So how can we also now move transactional um, elements uh, on the cloud to be able to make, um, uh, to make this possible? So cloud, um, cloud services uh, will continue being offered and uh, we will shift away and also, sorry, one last point while I move away from the cloud services is initially the apprehensiveness was um, the data security, um, uh, data ownership, and so, and, so, and so on. Now we've got policy uh, across the world in, or within governments that have helped us protect data. That's number one. And number two, um, security uh, in terms of cloud services have been have been very, very, very uh, well improved. That um, if you give an example, if we look at an example of like M-Pesa, we've not even had a single serious hack on M-Pesa. So I think that is that's just a point of um, an endorsement in terms of um, or a proof that uh, this can actually work. And also an endorsement from government that I was also apprehensive was um, the citizenry data today. Your data sits on the Safaricom cloud. So when you want to renew your driver's license, you want to do a, a, a land search on, the, on, your, on your land, that data sits on the cloud. So there's also endorsement from government, which has really helped um, accelerate uh, this process. And then um, of course, we also shifting away because of this confidence now. Initially, um, when a CIO sat in front of a board and said, uh, I need a budget of half a million or a million dollars. Um, it seemed unfathomable. And the only way they could show what they've invested in is having a huge data center that they can take the board and say, okay, look at all these machines humming and humming away and so on. But today people have come to understand that it, you don't necessarily need to have um, a, a data center uh, for yourself. So this is now shifting more towards cloud services, which is exciting. Uh, that's a very good point on uh, cloud services and the role they will play moving forward. Uh, in the in the last one year, the pandemic has necess necessitated the need for digitization of education. How is Mezzanine positioning itself to take up opportunities in virtual tutoring, online school management, and online learning? Okay, um, thank you very much. So what we've uh, let me first start with uh, what we've done and then I'll tell you what, where we are going. So what we've been successfully able to do is to automate 
um, school management um, in, in, in South Africa, and this is something that we are trying to bring into East Africa as well, is um, ability to take roll calls, ability to report on incidences, ability to uh, manage um, uh, attendance, both for, uh, for, for students and for teachers, um, and be able to find above uh, manage incidences. Um, again, from a cloud perspective. In terms of where we are going, not only learning within education as we call it, we also move into other um, verticals. And I give you an example. Here in Kenya, we've worked with AMREF and we've delivered a solution that does mobile learning for community health workers. And basically how it works, it works into, uh, uses three primary technologies. It uses IVR, which is voice. Uh, it uses SMS and a cloud solution, sorry, and cloud storage. So um, what the, the ministry has able, sorry, what um, AMREF have been able to do is they've been able to say, for example, if you're a community health worker uh, in Massabit County, uh, we need to train you about prevention of malaria. And they will enroll you on a course that they put together. And on this course, once you're subscribed to it as a community health worker, you get a notification, you're told, uh, dear community health worker, Jane, you've been enrolled on the malaria course uh, for AMREF. So when you pick up, uh, when, when, you, when you click next, you can either receive uh, an SMS that tells you for troubleshooting, with, uh, sorry, for diagnosing with malaria, check the temperature, or you can simply listen to recorded messages and move on next uh, to next and so on. The beauty of this is that community health workers have been able to learn at their own pace. Um, and then after that, they can go through an evaluation. So you can be able, and because this data again is centrally, uh, centrally um, stored, you can be able to see um, community health worker Jane in Marsabit has actually uh, gone through a malaria course, uh, a TB course, a midwifery course, and so on. So even when you have interventions, you know who actually has had the training. So we are see, again, uh, coming back to mobile, we are seeing mobile playing a big role in terms of um, where uh, we are going to take education. The same, the same uh, uh, capability, we also have transferred it to agriculture. So where we are teaching smallholder farmers on good practices, um, instead of having to put them in a room, um, especially again with the uh, pandemic uh, situation. That's probably what, what, uh, what I've, I've taken as my biggest lesson from the, the automation of education is the role that mobile phone is playing uh, in the sectors of education, agriculture. Turning our, our eye on to the health sector, uh, what do you see as solution to driving uptake in mobile-based health insur insurance products? And does Mezzanine offer such a solution? We are currently not offering such a solution. Uh, what we focused on is primarily, again, and you're right, absolutely, with what you said, uh, the mobile playing uh, a big role. Um, this is a deliberate, uh, a deliberate purpose that we've taken to make, to use, to leverage on mobile. Because again, as a telco company, we've already invested in the infrastructure. Um, mobile phones are getting faster. They are getting, um, they, they, you can reach the, what we call the last mile. Um, I can, from Nairobi, I can have somebody in Trukana start, um, you know, with um, subscribe to a course like the one I talked about earlier. So um, in terms of the role that I see um, uh, mezzanine playing, it will, will become more of an enabler because we are 
for, for lack of a better way of expressing it, innovation driven. So we like working with partners who have a, a, pro, a problem statement and then we'll drive to them. So although that's not an area that we have actually invested in, um, I do see us uh, getting into, in, into that, um, especially again, given that we already have the infrastructure and we've already have solutions like I talked about. Um, one particular other one that we've also been very successful is the community health worker solution that has been in, uh, that has also been used by AMREF to be able to register uh, citizens um, at the at the very what we call the last mile at the very at the village level and also help enroll them into um, NHIF. So that way, having this data, uh, collecting this data. Um, has helped facilitate that whole process um, for uh, for AMREF, and I see us again augmenting that solution with um, as we move on as we move further on in the health sector. Uh, what do you think? What do you think uh, is the solution to drive uptake in mobile-based uh, health insurance? Um, it, it has it, it has to be it, it has to be simple to use. That's that, that's that's number one. It has to be simple to use and 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 to uh, and to and to subscribe uh, to subscribe to. The reason why Mpesa uh, has been uh, has been successful is the the complexity of Mpesa is completely kept away from the user. So uh, when you send receive money. Um, for, the, for the average user, they don't even think about what, what goes on in the back. Does money really move? Um, just because I got this SMS, is it proof that I have money in my, in my, in my mobile wallet? So if you were to adopt uh, the same principle, um, make it easy for, um, for, 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 the, for the end user um, and the ecosystem, uh, the ecosystem players, so the insurance companies, um, uh, maybe financials as well, and so on. Um, that would definitely accelerate um, the uptake. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Bwana Kinodia. That is all we had for today's podcast.